uh, at our Facebook. Fascinating information. But the gentleman that I have here today is equally as fascinating, not as good looking, but equally as fascinating. It's Gary Hutchins from Slip, uh, Slippery, Sunny Slope Church of Christ. There you go. Go ahead, Gary. Well, it's good to be back with you again, Matt. I always appreciate the invitations and the opportunity. Really do. Yeah, well, we love having you here. All right, let's uh, get the mics all up and everything and uh, get stuff going here. A little bit later, because Abby has to be home before dark. That's what her mom makes her do. She's 21. She has to be home before dark. Whew. Yeah, mother of yours. Anyway. Um, huh? I said I love her. Oh, my good. Mom, my mom's great. So do I. Yeah, we can all say this with a smile. Oh, now you're upset with me. <laughs> Um, anyway, Abigail has to leave at uh, five o'clock and she wanted to talk a little bit today about James one, uh, which is about identity. And then we're going to kind of transition into faith and, uh, what it takes to have real faith. How you, how do you know if you have real faith? I mean, I think that's a question that burns in everybody's mind. You know, there's no such thing as a good enough Christian or a bad Christian. It's kind of like being pregnant. You either are or you're not. You're a Christian or you're not. But how do you know that your faith is strong enough? Because none of us want to be those people in the Bible that when they came up to Jesus and said, oh, Savior, here you are, and he said, I don't know you. That is scary. So we'll talk about that in the uh, 5 o'clock hour. So, Abigail, what makes you in love with James 1? I think simply, like James 1, it's just the posture that James has and how he starts this, right? Because James 1, it just goes, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. And that's literally it. Uh, Because I was doing a little study on James 1, and I had to stop just right there, (laughs) just in the first sentence. Yeah. Just because I love the way that James establishes who he is. Because identity is such like an important part of of us and how you, you know, think of yourself, how you see yourself. Uh, And just I was just in love with the way that James so clearly defines who he is and how that definition is in God. Because identity today in our world is very much tied in everything but God. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But he said it wouldn't be easy. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm not surprised that that's the culture, but I just think that, like, reading this was really just a glimpse of what it's supposed to be and what it can be, and understanding your true identity is found in Jesus, and it's not found in anything else. Gary, I got a question for you. Do you know, uh, would James have been able to read any of Paul's writings in uh, time frame-wise? Because Paul kind of does the same thing. He starts out most of his letters as an introduction. James would have been a contemporary Paul, and we believe James, this James, is one of the brothers of Jesus, right? who initially was an unbeliever, and then later became a believer in, in Christ. And, James uh, was? Yes. His own brother? Yeah, he, he, yeah, as they were, as you might call it, kind of quote-unquote growing up together— yeah, his brothers really didn't believe he was he was the Christ, and uh, it's it's amazing that you know when Jesus went to the cross, then they became believers, and actually James became a leader within the church 
in mm. Jerusalem and kind of respected probably across the brotherhood. But um, So yeah, you think they, it was only the resurrection that brought that truth to some of these folks? I think that really helped. Well, yeah. I You know, I, I think, you know, how can you argue with the resurrection? Right. And I've, I've said for many, many years, a lot of people, they'll say, you know, you say, what do you think is the focal point of Christianity? They'll almost immediately go to the cross. And my response is, anybody could have died on that cross claiming to be the Savior. But the fact that God raised him from the dead, yeah, that cemented the whole claim, everything Jesus said he is, everything he taught, that established God's authority is behind me. And he, he really is the Savior. And uh, so James would have known, certainly would have known about Paul. Now, some of the writings, yeah, probably, probably read a number of those. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always interested in the uh, timeline uh, on these writings and stuff. Uh, Gary Hutchins is our guest, Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Uh, what time are the services on Sunday? Oh, I remember. It's 9.30 for Bible study. Correct. And then 10.30 for church. And then Wednesday night at 6.30 for midweek Bible classes. Okay. All right. So um, it's interesting to me that, you know, the old adage that you can never go home, and it sounds like that was kind of the stuff with Jesus, is he couldn't, he couldn't go back to his own family because they didn't believe him. Well, the brothers— his mother always well, did yeah. have a degree of faith. I don't know that she always understood completely uh, when he was really young until he got into his ministry, but but she always she always believed. But yeah, his brothers, it's interesting. You know, they they did not believe in him until probably the crucifixion and the resurrection. Yeah. And then you can't you know, you watch somebody die on the cross. You know they put him in the tomb, and then you see him walking around a few days later. Well, it's pretty hard to argue with. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have that good of makeup in those days. No. no. <laughs> so tell me, uh, Abby, as you continue to read this, which I can you read uh, uh, two through uh, eight for us and stop at nine and let us hear uh, your thoughts on this? Yeah. So starting at two, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must be believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Time out. What's double-minded mean? So double-minded in this case, what they're talking about is if you're a person that you're asking the Lord for stuff, but you're doubting, you're not even trusting him to do it. Okay. It's like you're having two different sides of your mind because it's like you're asking God for this. So you want it and you're trying to seek it and get and trust him. But at the same time, you're not. So you're having this like two, two sides to you and how you're thinking about it and how you're approaching the Lord. It's interesting because you have a, a NIT. NIV. NIV. I have an NLT. Is that what I've got? Yeah. <laughs> and there, the, uh, the word uh, divided mind or that term isn't in mind. Is that in uh, what, the seventh verse or sixth verse? 
Uh, an eight. It's the very last one. Okay. Such Their a loyalty is, is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. So that yeah. means double-minded. Yeah, it's just a, yeah another word for the kind of the same concept there. I like double-minded better. Clearer. Yeah, it is clearer. <laughs> um, so you you made the comment, Abby, that you liked this uh, chapter. Yeah. Uh, because uh, well, you like the whole book, but <laughs> yeah. because it helps you with your identity, mm-hmm. and that would be your identity in Christ. Yeah, just like who who am I? Like if someone were to ask me, Abby, who are you? Yeah. That yeah, like this helps me have a clear picture of like who I am and pretty much like who I am in Christ and what I'm going to go through because of that. Yeah, it goes on to say believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun dries, the grass withers, and the little flower droops and then falls, and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all their other achievements. So who's, tell me about your identity in Christ. And, and what I want you to think about is when is that beat up? by, you know, an event, a person, uh, something you see on TV, you read on social media, whatever. Yeah. So just simply simply put, I am a daughter of Christ, right? And if you want to go off of like what James has said, even more like I'm a servant of Christ. And so looking at that, like so many different places in the Bible, God tells us very clearly who we are. We're chosen, we're loved, redeemed, like all this kind of stuff set, set free. And just like going off of that, um, that really gives me a clear picture of who I am because of Jesus, but also who God is. It gives you a clear picture of his character and that he doesn't just see me as um, a sinful, a sinful person or even just something really simple, like, you know, something I do because God's not like super, you know, like looking at me only as workspace. That's a very human perspective to look at it. Um, so just getting that clear picture, yeah, of who I am and who God is, that he chooses to see me in this light because of Jesus and not really as the broken sinner that I am. Abby, of course, is our uh, weather and traffic young lady on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and uh, we are always so happy to have her. Now, Gary, when she talks about God doesn't see me this way and God doesn't see me that way, isn't that the case because Christ died on the cross? I mean, God never sees my sin. Is that correct? It depends on if you've come to him for forgiveness through Jesus Christ. If okay. you have not come to him you know, properly for forgiveness, he certainly sees your sins. You know, if, you've been, if you have come to him and you have been born again, as he told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, has to happen, yeah. well, then the blood of Christ continues to cleanse you of the guilt of your sins. And as John puts it in First John chapter 1, but um, we have to come to him his way. A lot of people, they want forgiveness, they want redemption, they want all the things that Abby talked about without making a commitment to come to God through Jesus Christ. It's, it's kind of like, I want the paycheck, I just don't want to have to go to work every day. 
Okay, uh, Gary Hutchins is my guest. Uh, Sunny Slope Cur- uh, Church of Christ, 9.30 Sunday mornings for Bible study, 10.30 for service. And what, what's on Wednesday? What time? Wednesday night, 6.30 for midweek Bible classes. All right. Um, let, me, let me say one more thing, yeah, if I can, in connection with what you asked. You know, how does God see me? I think a lot of people, and maybe it's because we have this finite mind we've got, and God is infinite, uh, we need to get away from looking at God as the big umpire in the sky, you okay. know? And so if you are truly a Christian, you've been forgiven, you've been reborn, then God is not somebody who's watching down his nose at you, I don't believe, and you you committed a sin, because we still make mistakes. We still commit sins here and there. Oh, you've make been mistakes. reading my mail, haven't yeah, you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, it's not like he's standing there saying, you're out. Okay. And then all of a sudden you say, oh, God, I know I, I made a mistake. Please forgive me for that. Okay, you're safe now. You know, it's not huh, back huh, and forth huh. like that, <laughs> you know. Well, okay. So uh, I love it when you come on because I get these questions in my head that I don't know the answers to. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, depending on what translation you're reading, um, uh, Father, why have you forsaken me? I've always been taught or heard that that was because God had to turn his head away from watching Jesus because he couldn't look at sin. Is that just kind of urban legend? I've never heard that particular interpretation of that. I think more accurately, God had to forsake him to the to the extent that he had to let him die on that cross. He had to let him die on that cross. He had to let him go through all of that agony because and you look at this at a number of different passages, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9 and Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 27, Hebrews chapter 9, and read through that second half of that chapter all the way on down to the end. And then Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10, he was the perfect sacrifice. And that's how God sent him to that cross, absolutely perfect so that he could pay the price for the guilt of our sins. If you look in Hebrews chapter 10, earlier verses there, it talks about how God, during Old Testament times, kind of looked over, yeah, or over, you know, kind of looked past the sins of the Israelites as they would offer the animal sacrifices to him for, again, atonement of their mm-hmm. sins, because he is looking ahead to Jesus coming, and God knew, I'm going to send my son. He's the perfect sacrifice. And as Hebrews 7 and verse 27 says, his sacrifice on the cross was one time for all time to pay the price for the guilt of the sins of all mankind. So I hope that helps you with your Well, it your does. Question. It does. I, I appreciate that. I, I, I don't know where I got this this vision or this idea, but... It was like when God looked at me, he looked at me through Christ. He doesn't really see me. He, he, he trusts Christ in saying, this guy's one of mine and he's good, Papa. First John chapter 2, if, you're, if, you're, if somebody is a true Christian, that is, he is, First John 2 verses 1 and 2, 
says Jesus is our advocate with the Father. Yeah. Now, advocate means he's pleading our case. Yeah. And and really, the Greek word there, as I understand it, is really getting across the idea, the closest thing we could come to that understanding in our English language and in our culture today is, it's like he's our attorney standing yeah. there before yeah. the yeah. throne of God. Yeah. Uh, I have a, a friend of mine in my life, and uh, she was a, a Superior Court justice for years. Mm. And maybe we talked about this. Did we talk about the judgment thing when you were here last? I don't recall. She She's the one that helped me understand that the only person who can be considered judging you is the one who can place consequences on you. Mm-hmm. You've got two discerners, the prosecution and the defense, and they're telling the judge what they think their client is and who or she or he is. But when the judge decides... That's the only person that can judge someone because she can also implement consequences. That's correct. You know, because people, uh, and I, I probably did it before Jesus mugged me. I'd say, you have no room to judge me. What about you? Well, the truth was they weren't judging me. They were, as my friend Kelly says, just uh, they're, they're a fruit inspector, and they inspect fruit. <laughs> but... All right, Gary, you uh, hang around with us. We are going to get to the top of the hour. Abby's got one more traffic and weather for us here in a couple minutes, and uh, we will share that with you. I'm Mac McCoy. This is live from the Divine Truth Studios. It's the talk of the heartland on AM 660 and FM 106.7 and all around the world at KCRO.com. Good Shepherd Funeral and Cremation Services staff and the owner were serving Omaha families for years before moving to South 82nd and L. Then in 2021, Good Shepherd opened a second funeral home at 3809 North 90th. Both Omaha Good Shepherd locations offer professional care and all their funeral and cremation services for more affordable rates. Good Shepherd's team will support you and your family. Good Shepherd Funeral and Cremation Services will honor your loved ones and help you celebrate their memories. Good Shepherd's online at gsfuneral.com. Matthew 28 tells us to go out into the world, spread the gospel, and make disciples of all men and women. Hi, my name's Mac McCoy, and I'm the host of The Talk of the Heartland. Heard 4 to 6 p.m. weekdays at KCRO, we take your calling from God very seriously, and we know you do too. Therefore, if you would be interested in sharing your ministry with millions of potential disciples around the world, I'm inviting you to be a host of your very own radio program here on KCRO. Just email me, Mac, like macaroni, Mac at KCRO.com. And thanks for listening to the Christian Voice of the Heartland, KCRO. Heartland Hope Mission is more than a pantry because when a family comes into Heartland Hope, we offer them encouragement, prayer, and surround them with all of the resources they need to become self-sufficient, in addition to providing food, clothing, hygiene items, and diapers. You can be part of bringing hope to families in need by volunteering today. For more information, go to heartlandhopemission.org. That's heartlandhopemission.org. Heartland Hope Mission, more than a pantry. Hi, it's Mac from Talk of the Heartland, and you know in this day and age, you can pick up KCRO just about anywhere you want. We have a digital app that goes on all smartphones, Alexa or Google or any of the smart speakers. 
or anywhere around the world at kcro.com. And no matter where you are when you're listening, at home, at work, or in the car, remember to write it down. We are AM 660 and 106.7 KCRO. Thanks for listening to the Talk of the Heartland. It's the 15th day of February in the Lord's year 2022. I'm Mac McCoy and this is Talk of the Heartland live from the Divine Truth Studios. We are the Heartland's Christian voice and I want to hear from you. It's your voice I want to hear. You can email me anytime you want at Mac, like macaroni, M-A-C, at kcro.com. It is truly important that you get a hold of me, especially when you hear us doing something poorly. I don't mind if you love listening to us. We've, we've got a couple of those people out there. But there's also those people that want something from this radio station, and maybe we don't recognize it, or we just don't do it, and it's your voice I want to hear. So we can serve you better, because that's what this is all about. All right, uh, my guest today is Pastor Gary Hutchins from Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Services are nine, or I'm sorry, Bible study is 9.30 on Sunday morning, 10.30 is service, and then on Wednesday nights at 6.30, uh, there's a Bible study. And what are you guys studying right now? Are you in a book or in a... Well, actually, uh, we have, you know, we break down into classes by age groups, the adult class on the adult class on Sunday morning, one of our elders, uh, Mark Grimes, is teaching uh, Jesus Who Understands. Really good study okay. about how Jesus really understands what we're going through. You know, he's not a disjointed or, you know, kind of an entity up in the sky that really does not kind of in an ivory tower doesn't understand what we're going through because he went through everything we go through. Yeah. And then on Wednesday nights, I'm teaching from the book of Esther, believe Ooh. it or not. And making the applications from lessons we learn that Esther and her cousin, Mordecai, you know, learned, and also their enemy, Haman, uh, how there are really pertinent lessons for us to apply to our lives today. We had a young lady on a couple of weeks ago, and you were here, Abby, when she came in, and it's the Seed Company. Is that what was the name? I, don't, I think the Seed Project Company Seed Project. or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, her name is Allie. She's from Omaha. Um, she had a uh, dance slash worship presentation production at the uh, Scottish Rite, I think it was, and it was on Esther. It was dance and worship about the story of Esther, and it was very good. She's going to come back before she gets uh, another one put together, and we're all going to talk about it. We're going to get Abby to play, you know, somebody. <laughs> Who would you like? Would you like to play Mary? Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah. I can't really dance that well. Well, you could just stand there and be like a pillar of salt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's more doable, but. All right. Uh, we are uh, uh, talking about the book of James. We're talking about identity. Uh, I brought up the fact that uh, the way I learned it, was that when God sees me, he only sees me through Jesus because uh, God cannot handle sin. And uh, like Gary always does, comes on and 
corrects my theology a little bit. And you had the greatest term for Jesus. He's, he's our advocate. He's like our defense attorney. And does that mean that the prosecutor is Satan? Is that, the, is that what we're fighting here? Well, Satan is the enemy, as Peter put it in 1 Peter chapter 5. You know, when you look at verses 8 and 9, yeah, he, he really says, you know, be on guard. Yeah. You know, be sober because your adversary, who is your enemy, the devil, is, roar, is walking about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's us. You know, he wants to lead, to lead us to our eternal condemnation and destruction by pulling us away from God. He does quite a good job, doesn't he? He does. Um, so, Abby, would you start, where did you uh, quit reading? Did you quit at 11? Yes. Uh, no, I read. You read last. 9 and uh, 11. We're in the book of James, by the way. So, Abby, why don't you read us 12 and then stop before we get to 16, please. Okay, so starting at verse 12. Mm-hmm. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Hmm. Sorry, you wanted me to stop? Yeah. God, um, and remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God has never tempted me to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else to do wrong. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. <laughs> do you, Pastor, do you like that? Or, I mean, maybe you've got a different translation, but um, I don't like that it says temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drags us away. Is that is that an okay way to put that? I, I don't think that's as clear as it could be. Um, as the New King James Version, you know, renders it... Uh, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. But now, who is the tempter there? That's the devil. Yeah. And he tempts us through our desires, but he cannot make us give in to those desires. He cannot make us sin. It's, it's you know, I, I probably said this before when I was here. You can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop it from building a nest in your hair. Of course, if you don't have any more hair than I do, there's no real <laughs> <laughs> temptation there. But uh, he's going to use, and, and you mentioned earlier, you know, 15 minutes or so ago, you said uh, he's really good at what he does. Yeah. Very skillful. It's his he only knows, job. Yeah. He knows he's always probing for our weaknesses and any little crack of an open door in our life that we, that we offer him. He sees that, and he knows how to pounce. He knows how to enter through those cracks and work on us in our moments of weakness. And so, you know, I've, I've said for, I've taught for, I guess, probably over four decades about what I call the Achilles heel temptations. We all have them. You have them. I have them. Abby has them. Every single person 
And what I mean by that, we know, according to Greek mythology, Achilles was um, somewhat of a Greek god, you know, and he only had one weakness. He could not be defeated in battle except for if he was struck on his heel at what we call the Achilles tendon, then he Mm. could be killed. And he was Mm. by chance. Mm. But so our Achilles tendon is very vulnerable. If we, if that's severed, I mean, we're in big trouble. Now, what I mean by Achilles heel temptations is every single one of us has maybe one or two or three temptations to which we individually are particularly susceptible. Mm-hmm. Now, Our kryptonite. Uh, like, that's right. You know, For some people, it's alcohol. For right. some people, it's drugs. For some people, it's, it's uh, illicit sexual activities. You know, some people, it's cursing. Some people, it's lying. Some people, it's cheating and finance. It goes on and on and on. Now, okay, to me, alcohol, that, that has no temptation to me whatsoever. But I know I've known people for whom that was their Achilles heel temptation. Yeah. They had to guard against that their entire lives. Yes. Absolutely. They were very vulnerable to that temptation. And so that's where the devil works on us. So he'll work through those weaknesses in our spiritual armor. And if we let him, he'll hit us there effectively. And that's when our, we give in to those desires or those very vulnerable temptation points, and we sin. All right. I want to I continue this. I want to pick that conversation up right when we get back uh, from this break. And, uh, Abby, if you'd take care of weather and uh, traffic on this. And when we come back, I want to pick right up where we're at, okay. Gary. All right. Gary Hutchins is my guest. It's the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. 9.30 on Sunday morning is Bible study, 10.30 is service. And on Wednesday night, uh, a whole family, any age, uh, all ages, uh, 6.30 Bible study. I'm Mac McCoy. If I haven't told you lately, thanks for listening. Love my job. Couldn't do it without you. Right here on the Talk of the Heartland, AM 660, 106.7 in Lincoln and all around the world at kcro.com. For those of us that are old enough to remember this, Flip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it. And I'm not telling you that's when I picked up this train of thought I'm about to share with you, but I think Skip Wilson was far, far, Flip Wilson was far, far ahead of his time when he said that. And uh, Gary Hutchins, who's the, uh, here from the Sunny Slope Church of Christ, uh, is going to talk to us about that. 9.30 is Sunday school. 10.30 is the service at Sunny Slope. And then 6.30 on Wednesdays is their family-wide Bible study. Right now, we told you it's 57. And I'm Mac McCoy, and this is the Heartland's Christian Voice, KCRO. <clears throat> All right, I'm sorry, I got a cough today. <clears throat> All right, um, I want to drop back down, Gary, and go. We're in the first chapter of James, and I want to. Uh, I'm going to start at um, 13, if I may. So, chapter one of James, 13. 
And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God has never tempted you to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us to dra- and drags us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, sinful nature, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. All right. Um, I'm, I'm not trying to... Uh, change, you know, I'm a guy who understands the Bible's the Bible and you don't mess with it. But for whatever reason, we don't have one translation. We have way too many. Here's how I would disagree with that. And if that's blasphemy, tell me, because I don't mean to do that. But in 14, temptation comes from our own desires, which entices us and drags us away. I don't agree with that. I think the temptation comes from Satan. I've always said that there are two wills, not three. Maybe you've heard me talk about this. There is God's will, and then everybody else wants to think that the devil's got a will. And by golly, I'm in the middle, and I get to choose free will. And, of course, I always choose free will because it's free. Mm -hmm. In my life, when I learned that You're either inside God's will or you're not. There is no free choice. There is no devil's choice. There is two choices. Either I'm in God's will or I'm not. And if I'm not in his will, whose will am I in? See, I think it's Satan's. I I do not think for one minute that I entice myself to sin. Oh, I do sin, don't get me wrong, probably too much. But it's the devil that makes me do it. If the devil had not invaded the garden with Adam and Eve, we would all be here perfect with no sin. The devil causes us to walk away from Jesus with his enticement of that whisper in the ear. Now, how crazy is that? Should I, should I turn in my seminary license or whatever? <laughs> I think you're you're getting at it, but I think we have to be careful. Of course, Flip Wilson used that statement as a statement of comedy. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And it's where a lot of people will, you know, we live in a in a victimization kind of mentality in our culture right yep. now. Yep. Nobody's oh. nobody's responsible for anything bad that they do. It's always something else or somebody else's fault. And so it's God, he offers us, if we'll walk with him, he offers us this whole suit of spiritual armor, Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 18. And the armor of God. Yep. The armor of God, all spiritual armor, you know, the, the breastplate of, of, uh, Righteousness, righteousness yeah. you know, the helmet of salvation, yep. the, shield, the you know, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, and so on. And I think that first part of verse 18 complements that when he says, always praying, you know. And so prayer is another vital strength yeah. there for us. Now, if we take off that armor, though, then we give an opening to the devil, and he knows our weaknesses, and so he's going to hit us there. But he doesn't make us submit to his temptation. 
there is where 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 comes in, where the Apostle Paul says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape. So the devil doesn't make us tempt, uh, make us give in to sin. He, but he, he throws those temptations at us. And I, I might say he bombards us with temptations yeah. daily. Yeah. And he doesn't have a, a, a quota. No. Everything no. is on his yeah. weapon side. But he, he leads us into temptation, but he doesn't make us give in to the temptations. That's our choice. Now, coming back to what you said, it really is, you know, I used, I used to, back in the day, back in the 70s, you know, it was real popular to wear buttons, you know, yeah. with sayings on them. And, and so I had one button that, that I'd wear that said, uh, God said it, and that's, I believe it, and that settles it. Yeah. And so later on, I, I, when I'd quit wearing buttons, you know, <laughs> I, I said, that's really not correct. God said it, that settles it. Whether I believe it or not, if God said it, that settles it. And so... Ooh, I like that. Yeah. So if we are, we, we only have two choices, and you laid those out. It's either we're going to walk with God or we're going to walk away from God. And that's James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. And so that's it. I'm either walking with God or I'm walking with the devil. There's no middle ground here. We want a middle ground of kind of non-committal, no responsibility, but there, that's no, there's no such middle ground in our spiritual lives. It's either we're with God or we're with the devil. We're either walking with God or walking away from God, and that means we're walking with the devil. Yeah. So what you said hits that right on. But we make up our own minds as to sin. Um, I'm either going to walk with God or I'm going to walk with the devil. Uh, what, did, what did you say? Something and then God settles it. If God says it, I believe it, that settles it. Well, that's... I don't have to believe line. anything. That's right. Whether I believe it or not, if God said it, that settles it. <laughs> All right. I'm just writing that down in my Bible. God says it, God settles it. Or that settles it. Yep. If God said it, that settles it. All right. Um, so, uh, and I'm going to repeat this. Somebody's probably heard this before, but this is this is the moment in my uh, spiritual journey with a relationship with Jesus that probably caused me more, not caused, gave me a gift of identity that, like I had never had before. Because I always thought, now you got to remember, I learned this at 50. Yeah. So this is like six years old to 50 years old. I learned at 50 that for all the years that I heard what I thought was God whispering in my ear his thoughts about who I was. And he would say, You're a lousy husband, you're a lousy father. You're a lousy grandpa. You're a lousy businessman. Lousy, lousy, lousy. And I did. I heard that constantly. Uh, that was a voice in my head that never shut up. 
Uh, you can imagine how angry I was at, you know, 12 or 14 or whenever that happens to boys. But when I said that to Pastor Michael uh, at my old church, he was sitting at my kitchen uh, island, and he leaned back on the chair, and he looked at me and he said, Mac, God would never say that to you. God would tell you you're amazing, you are loved, you are perfect in his eyes, and you are a wonderful husband, a wonderful grandfather, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And it was, and, and then he added, that's the devil's voice you're listening. That's the part of the devil that's so amazing. He can make you think, hello, Eve, he can make you think that he's God. That was the moment I realized that I was not a bad person. I just did bad things. And I thought God was already judging me for it, if you will. And so he and I were fine. Uh, I didn't like the word repentant, (laughs) but I did understand confession because I was raised in Catholicism. And so confession uh, was a part of my life, but it was very um, lackadaisical lackadaisical. I got, I know I messed up again. Sorry. I confess my bad. We'll, we'll meet again soon. But I believe that those things that as Paul puts it, I don't want to do, but I do. You say we make the choice to, to, to do those things. I'll take responsibility for walking away from God letting him go, walking away from his will. But if the devil did not exist, there would be no place to walk to. Correct. And and I I don't, I'm I'm not trying to sound goofy. No, I understand. And I take full responsibility for everything, everything. But if there was no devil, you and me and Kenny, we'd be walking with Jesus all the time and everything would be yeah, it's 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 hard for us to wrap our minds fully around the idea of the spiritual realm. And by the spiritual realm, I'm not talking about, you know, what is portrayed and, you know, like ghost likeness, no, you know, I, and all that. I'm talking about the true spiritual realm yeah. where God is in Christ and the angels and the devil also, you know. And, yeah, there's the I've I've often tried to imagine what it would have been like if Eve had simply told the devil, "Take a hike." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, God. Yeah, yeah. God gave mankind the opportunity to live without sin on this earth forever. Well, boy, did we get a lousy start. <laughs> we sure it did. It took one snake and one person. <laughs> yeah. And I, by the way, I never blame Eve. You know, Adam had a responsibility to love his wife and take care of him. So I'm not one of those people that said, you know, Eve was the one that fell. They both decided. Both made their choices. Yeah. Uh, Gary Hutchins is my guest today. It's Sunny Slope Church of Christ, 930 uh, Bible study on Sunday morning, 1030 Service on Sunday morning and 6.30 on Wednesday uh, is the Bible study. Um, let me, let me, if you have anything more to add to that, 
I want to give you the thing to do that. And then I want to break. And I want to talk about the Trinity. Because I always thought I had a good way of explaining that. And I had the opportunity to explain it to a 10-year-old okay. in a car ride coming back from Des Moines, Iowa on Sunday. And he didn't get it. And I think that's my fault, not his. So I want to I want to talk about that a little bit if we can, okay? That's fine. All right, Kenny is in control here, live from the Divine Truth Studios. I'm Mac McCoy, and remember, it's no accident that you're listening today. We've been praying for you. We've been praying that God puts a set of ears in front of the webcast, the live radio broadcast, today or 10 years from now. You've got a situation where you're praying for something. You're praying that something will change or something won't change. You're praying that your husband falls back in love with you, but you're praying... You, 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 and you're, you're struggling. Well, we hope that the Holy Spirit speaks through us today and gives you an answer to those prayers. We're coming back live from the Talk of the Heartland on KCRO. It is the 15th day of February in the Lord's year 2022. I'm Mac McCoy, and this is the Talk of the Heartland on AM 660, FM 106.7, the KCRO app. Alexa, play KCRO. That's all you got to say. And, of course, all around the world at KCRO.com. Comments, questions, got a topic you'd like to talk about, or maybe you'd like to come on the radio and share your testimony with us. We'd love to have you. Just email me. It's Mac. Like macaroni, M-A-C, at KCRO.com. And thanks for listening. My guest today is uh, Gary Hutchins, Sunny Slope. We've given you the times and everything, but I want you to remember them. 9.30 for Bible study, 10.30 is service. Uh, that's on your Sundays. And then 6.30 on uh, Wednesday nights is the Bible study that they have. And that's kind of all groups and all ages. So I remember when... Jesus first mugged me, and the thing I couldn't figure out was the Trinity. Now, I was raised in Catholicism, so we were crossing ourselves. You know, we bow every time Jesus said uh, his name was read or something. But in Catholicism, Jesus is a body on a cross. I don't believe that the people who teach us Catholicism makes Jesus alive. I think they only talk about the fact that well, these are the stories when he was alive, but today, you know, you pray to Mary, you pray the, the little thing in your hand. And the other thing that I couldn't figure out uh, at all was um, the Trinity. Um, I always thought I'd die and go to heaven, and I'd stand before Papa, and I'd say, how'd they do? And I'd be smiling, you know, that little canary smile. And he'd say, not so good. And I'd say, what? Uh, what did I do wrong? And he said, well, you, you messed up on number one. <laughs> number one, thou shalt have no other gods but me. I didn't have any other gods. And he would have said, yeah, you had Jesus. And I never saw them as one and the same until Jesus mugged me. And then the question became, okay, Jesus is his son, he comes back to us through the Holy Spirit, and that's our advocate. 
God teaches us love, Jesus teaches us forgiveness, and the Holy Spirit's job is like the Amazon delivery guy, he delivers grace whenever God sends it his way. So I had a 10-year-old in my car, and I was uh, bringing him back uh, from Nebraska, or I'm sorry, from Des Moines on Sunday. And here's the way I described it, and this is the way I usually describe it. Um, Gary, you're a, a man. Uh, you play the role of a pastor. Uh, you play the role of a husband. You play the role of a grandfather, a father. Uh, you take care of your financial business, and so you are in good standing with the tax people and all that. I don't know if you're a bicycle rider, but if you are, then one of the roles you play is to be a safe bicycle rider. And those are the roles that we all play. And God plays three roles. He's the creator. He's the forgiver. And he's the delivery of all that that God wants us to have. And I got a funny look from this young man. And I don't know if I said it right or not. How do you explain to people who the, how God can be uh, the triune, three things at once? Probably one of the most difficult concepts that we, from the scriptures, that we can try to understand, much less explain. And, yeah, we can use, by comparison, rather trivial illustrations, like what you said. You know, we could also uh, say, you look at an egg, what do you see? Yeah. Well, you see the shell. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, you break the egg open, now what do you see? Well, you see a white and you see a yolk. Well, that's, and what do we call all those? Well, we, we look at the egg on the outside, the shell, we say, that's an egg. We break it open and there it is, we say, that's an egg. Yeah. But the shell's gone. Yeah. Know? And, but see, we're trying to, we're trying to explain in human, finite terms and understanding the infinite God. And that's very difficult for us to do. You know, when you look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, now, we know also from John chapter 1 yep. and verse, verses 1 through 4, Jesus was there, yeah. taking part in the creation. Nothing yep. was created that was created without him. Yep. But here we see, okay, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth w was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So Genesis chapters one, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we know, okay, God, we, we understand that I think correctly as God the Father. Yeah. He was there. God the Spirit was there. Yeah. And then from John chapter 1, we know that God the Son was there. Yeah, the Word. Yeah, and so here's three, but yet Moses wrote, the Lord our God is one Lord. Yeah. You know, and so there's three in one and three personalities. And I, I'm, I'm not going to begin to try to blow smoke at you and say, I understand this absolutely. <laughs> Is this one of the things we should say, I have no idea, we'll find out in glory? Well, I think when we get to heaven, we'll see God and we'll say, 
of course. Why yeah. didn't I th- see right. that before? Right. <laughs> but yeah, that's so true. There's there's another passage that talks about how God was manifest in the Son, I believe. And so I've thought, okay, could we understand the three in one as being three manifestations of the one God? And I remember I suggested that one time as a possibility, it upset a lady, you know, mm, so kind of mm. the 10 year old in your, in yeah. your car. And so I, somehow by faith, I think we have to say, okay, there is one God, but God in three persons yeah. and how that, or in three personalities and we'll have to wait till we get to heaven to see exactly yeah. how all that really is. <laughs> because it really makes me sound like a fool when I'm trying to explain this because the 10 year old knows the same thing I do. I mean, he goes to Bible study. He, he goes to church, Sunday school. There's three. Uh, the other way I will tell you, uh, it, the way I've heard it described is water. Water is wet and liquid. Water is frozen and water is steam. But when it breaks down to it, it's all just water. And when it breaks down to the Trinity, it's all just God. Yeah. And, and yet we do see these very distinct personalities, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not three gods. Right. And, and then you look at, at like Revelation chapter 5. Okay, you've got God, the Father, sitting in the throne. Okay. And then guess who shows up in the scene? Jesus. God, the Son. <laughs> and he takes the scroll from God, the Father's hand. And so you're seeing two personalities there. And yet, again, they together make one God. Yeah. And... That is very difficult for us to fully wrap our minds around and say, I got it down pat, no question about it, because we're dealing with the, the spirit realm. And so God is spirit. We're not. We're finite. We relate to things. I can see you with skin on. God doesn't have any skin on. Right. Now, he did That's when Jesus. Jesus came in, Yep. you know, but... Uh, Jesus now doesn't have any skin on either, I don't believe. (laughs) (laughs) So he did right after he rose. That's that's right. He had to prove it to doubting Thomas. Then he ascended back to heaven. Yep. And uh, he's described in Revelation 5 as a lamb with his throat cut, as a sacrificial lamb, you know. Yeah. And so, again, we're we're dealing with a completely different realm. And that, that may be, I used to have a secretary She'd ask me questions from time to time, and I'd, I'd uh, sometimes I'd say, "Well, this is what I think," and sometimes I'd say, "You know, I just don't really, I don't really know yeah. for sure." And she'd say, "Well, I have to add that to my list of questions when I get to heaven to ask God." Yeah. <laughs> well, and and the longer that I am in a relationship with Jesus, the more absolutely comfortable I am in saying, "Well, let's go to the Bible and see if we can find the answer," and if exactly. we can't. We're not supposed to know yet. Yeah. We'll find out when the time's right. Well, again, when you're, when you're reading through the book of Revelation, you're reading through all those series of sevens, you know, oh, yeah. seven, you know, seven trumpets. and say, One of those sevens, though, John said he saw that 
But he said, I was told, don't write that down. Right, right, so. <laughs> right, right. So and John's a little sneaky. Well, God gives us enough to know. Now, can you imagine if human beings wrote down the four gospel accounts? Oh, yeah. I, this building might be hard-pressed to hold them all in volume because we'd write everything down. Yeah. Now, do you realize how much of Jesus's life on this earth is actually covered in those four gospel accounts? No. About two weeks. I was going to say, but I think you're going to tell me. About two weeks. Yeah. If you took each day, you know, we would never limit ourselves because we think from a human and finite level. So we'd be talking about... How, what color was his hair? Did he have bright and shiny teeth? You know, did he have a, a mole on his cheek? What, co- what color clothes did he wear? You know, we, everything. And we'd also do that about Joseph and about Mary, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, and his brothers and yeah. his sisters. We, we, cover, we just do volumes. What does God give us? Just enough to know. Yeah. That's all we need to know, just enough to establish our faith. And that's it. it, It's love, grace, and forgiveness. Yeah. That's what we get from it. Well, I sure appreciate it when you come in. And I I hear very good things from people who listen uh, when you're on the air. I think you've got your own Gary fan club. Well, people really enjoy listening to you. The glory goes to God. (laughs) I ain't get that. But, you know, here we go back to this choice thing. We choose to resist Satan and walk with God, and therefore he uses us for this purpose. So thanks for coming in. I'll see you again here in a couple weeks. Always appreciate you being here. Appreciate the invitation. Oh, can I say something about how our website? Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, it's a wonderful website. Yeah. Churchofchrist.com. Churchofchrist.com. And people can scroll down the homepage to our podcast button and click on that. Sign up. It's always free and they will automatically receive a whole bunch of study material and teaching material in podcast form. And also, um, there's a great, about a 13-minute Bible study each day that we do called Today's Bible Class, covers very relevant issues, subject matter, and right from the Scriptures, all, again, everything is free. Yeah. And will we hear you three times a day here? Is that right? Five times, Five a times day. a day. If you want to get up at 2.30 in the morning. Okay, then okay. four times. <laughs> Actually, there are days that I'm up at 2.30. I understand. Me too. Gary Hutchins is my guest. He'll be back again sometime. You can also email me some questions you want to ask him. It's Mac, like macaroni, M-A-C at K-C-R-O dot com.